I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Moose Kwonga. I'm Ryan ah. Hunt. It feels like right. the beginning of a Simpsons, every Simpsons episode. It's like you don't know what the intro is going to be anyway. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. We're just keeping the vibes. I'm Moose Kwonga and you're Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how yes. are you doing? Uh, hanging <laughs> in there, man. How are you? I'm really good, actually. I'm really good. Is it because, despite what Kano said, we're both wearing hoodies for the first time since probably like April? Do you know what? Actually... <laughs> It, <laughs> I was just like, do you know what? I just feel, and even the hoodie, the type of hoodie is important. Some people like the hoodie with the zip up. I don't like that. No, no. I really like not. to be, it's nice to be like contained and held. You know, like, yeah, it's like, like a warm hug. It's like, it's, it's like almost, if, if I had my dream, I'd be lowered into a sleeping bag. Like just lowered into it. <laughs> that, that'd be my dream. So what was that I, thing? Do you remember that thing that David Cameron, was it David Cameron? It was like hug a hoodie. Was that the thing? <laughs> yeah, David Cameron. Actually like, no, let the hoodie hug me. Exactly. There we go. You see it. You see it. Yeah. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm a hugger. You're a hugger. I'm all hoodied up. Yeah. And the thing about the hoodie is you're a handshake hugger, aren't you? Handshake and the lean hug. Yeah. Whereas I'm, I'm full in like, if, as long as everyone like wants, anyone wants to hug, obviously you have to be like, Hey, you're a hugger. Of course. But even the way you wear your hoodie. So I actually wear my hoodie like half with the hood, halfway up the neck, like slightly bunched. I do mine with the little bow. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite divisive actually. I've never done mine up to be honest. I mean, I never used to. And then I saw a lot of people whose style I admired doing it and I did it. And oh. I was actually like, oh, from a practical point of view, this is amazing because it doesn't just like swing around. Right, right. There you go. Maybe it's just getting old. I like, <laughs> I like my drip to be practical. practical that, explains, drip. that explains a lot of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes you just have to go with it. The other day I did, I must admit, I will not name the brand that I wore, but I went down to the, um, the local store and for the first time ever, Went down to the local store, tracksuit bottoms, white socks, and those like slide the sliders. The, My no, those, guy, first time ever. So yeah, how did it make you feel? I remember the first time I did it, and it made me feel famous. Do you know? What, do, do you know how I felt? I felt like this is my neighbourhood, right? I felt you know when you do that in your neighbourhood, it feels like the surrounding stores like an extension of your living room. Mm. 
and it's like in a really lovely way. So there's, a, there's a, actually really nice people in the cafe next to me. It's quite sad. They, um, they live like 20 minutes from my front door and they're like the loveliest couple. They're such nice people. And they're leaving Berlin at the end of the year. And it's so sad because that is like one of my favorite spots. And they're like twice a week get my sort of- In the new joint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new place huh. I'm living. Oh, they're such good people. They said quite a poetic thing the other day. It was- um, Was it? Where's Ryan? <laughs> Evan, more and more people are saying this. Because you're in my old hood, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And they said, what they did say was they said, because um, I actually, I gave them like, I know it sounds a bit sort of self-emotional, but they're lovely people, right? And I had a copy of this like German translation, this book that I've done. So I gave them a copy of it. I said, look, like, you're so lovely. For those who don't know, just cutting in, in the end, it's all about love. It, no, in the end, it was all about love, has uh, been translated into German and is out now. Well, I gave them, because like, you know, you get like free author copies and I gave them, I gave away the first copy to them. I was like, I want you to have it because like, you are like the kind of spirit of this area and you've given so much to this area and like people love you, right? And I'm really sad that you're leaving. Like we've known each other for a few months. Yeah. And they said, they said, oh my God, we read your book. And it's funny because we're obviously like elderly white German people, but we felt a lot in common with you. And the one thing that we would say as well is like the gap between your expectation of the city and what you actually get from it is so big a lot of the time. Mm. And obviously you've made a life here and that's great. And they said, but we're leaving and we're glad we're leaving because Berlin more and more has become an incredible word expression of Wolfstadt a wolf town. Wow. And it's not a place for us anymore. And you know, it's so weird. I've been rewatching Sicario, right? And the final lines of Sicario, when Benito del Toro says to um, Emily Blunt's character, like he's like this kind of like assassin and she's like this, you know, <clears throat> slightly naive agent. He says, you need to leave. You won't survive here because you're not a wolf. And this is a land of wolves now. And it just, it was so weird that they said oh that in the God. same week that I'm watching Sicario. Yeah, like a land of wolves. And they were like, yeah, it's a town of wolves. Wow. So yeah, very poetic experience. Very, uh, very moving. Um, but yeah, oh, that we'll, was, be back on, uh, we'll be back on Monday. The and, Wolf Town, um, from reporting live from the Wolf Town. all of a sudden don't really feel like doing a show anymore. So we're going to be back on Monday. And, <laughs> Sorry for the tangent. Uh, we're playing out on Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> 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 do you know what everyone needs to get the vibe back some fucking admin so we hope everyone is staying safe and well don't forget righty's house is now on its own feed righty's house is on its own feed you can search for it on the Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I think the only one that's properly playing up is Google Podcasts at the moment. But if you can't find it on the podcast app of your choice, go to the Writer's House Twitter. It's at Writer's House. A few of the links were posted from there. You, me and Ian talked about Serena Williams' retirement. We talked about Hector going to Barca. We talked about Alex Awobi's form, Marcus Rashford's good form. And then we talked about the Lewis Figo affair. Great documentary. It's out now on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It's great. So good. So good. Um, So yeah, go and find Writer's House on its own feed. It's not on this feed anymore. As you may have noticed, this feed has changed. It's now Stadio, a football podcast. It is indeed. Which is a very kind description of what we do. (laughs) <laughs> they, should put, they should have put allegedly afterwards that's yeah, what it podca- should have been the full, it's the a podcast full- <laughs> at least yeah we could say that at least I, I want to say it's a football podcast but is it really does it sound as professional as most football podcasts you know 
Anyway, so today we're going to talk about some Champions League stuff. We're going to round up some of the key, wild, dramatic results from match day one of this year's Champions League. And then we're going to talk about a seismic managerial sacking from this week. A German manager lost their job and we're going to spend a good 45 minutes talking about Domenico Tedesco's firing from RB Leipzig. Such a troll. Such a troll. I knew. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Poor Tedesco, man, got fired and then two hours later, Tuchel got fired and he was just like, man, I can't even No, but my- this, you see, that right there, that joke from me right there, this is why we have to call Stadio a football podcast because we're reassuring people. That's what it is. No, 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 really, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Is it like that thing that Noel Gallagher once said that he, well, someone said to him, I mean, not that I really want to kind of quote Noel Gallagher, but someone said, did you genuinely think you were the best band in the world? He said, no, but if you tell enough people, half of them will leave you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, fair play. I'm going to start telling people, oh, what do you do? Oh, it's called Stadio Football Catfish. What? Oh, it's a football podcast. It's a catfish podcast. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> All right. Anyway, check the ringer.com. Check the Stadio Archer's place on Spotify. And I reckon... That'll do us. Let's get into the football after this. Let's do it. All right, man, there were loads of dramatic results this week in the first round of the Champions League. Yes. But I think we have to start with the biggest result of the week, and it is the biggest result of the week, and it's Shakhtar's win in Leipzig. Oh my God, yes. Yes. It was the biggest result of the week. It, it was, might not it was, have been it was, the most it was. high profile, but it was the biggest result of the week. I love that you've started there. I love that. Yeah. It was the final straw which cost Domenico Tedesco his job at mm. RB Leipzig. Leipzig were poor. Yes. And deserved everything they got, really. But this was just an amazing, an amazing evening for Shakhtar. They absorbed some kind of early Leipzig pressure and then just hit them. They took advantage of the mistake first from Galashi. Yes. It was quite reminiscent of Man United's win over Arsenal, actually. Do you know, it's funny, actually. I was going to draw an older comparison, which Shakhtar fans might instinctively hate, but in the context mm. might enjoy. Dinamo Kiev, late 90s. Mm. The spectacular Ukrainian counterattack. Like, there was a lot of outstanding counterattacking in this, uh, in this match day, in this, this uh, round of Champions League games. To the extent that I almost feel that was the defining characteristic of this Champions League, that the counterattacking was was sensational. I mean, mm. It's normally very good, but this is we saw I think maybe three classic counterattack goals, which is an you know an unusually high amount. I think from Nap, well actually even from Eind- from from Sporting against uh, Eintracht, mm. we saw maybe four classic counterattack goals. Modric was outstanding in this game, and mm. I felt like almost like at some point in my head I'm going to start like compiling a kind of like ultimate counterattacking eleven, certainly for this season. But he's an early contender for like a for a start in that the way that he launched forward, and I think Shakhtar they were missing quite a few players as well. You mentioned Mudrik, and I think he, I think he was quite heavily touted in the the transfer, the transfer window. window. Yeah, and apparently mm. Shakhtar, according to Fabrizio Romano, Shakhtar knocked back bids in the region of thirty to thirty-five million euros. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's only working, twenty-one. He's, He's worth more than that. Yeah, Shakhtar wanted over 50 for him. But I think with everything that's going on at the moment, and we've mentioned before with the Ukrainian sides, it must be extremely difficult. Mm. But just a really, really good win to get off the the mark. And we talked about Tedesco. He's lost his job. I think it's a little bit harsh. I know RB Leipzig haven't been that good at the beginning of the season, but they've now hired Marco Rosa. That's just been confirmed. And... If you look at the last four coaches that they've had in just over a year, Nagelsmann, Marsh, 
Tedesco, Rosa, all very different coaches and actually signs that this old, what we'd associated with Red Bull, the Red Bull group of this kind of smooth transition and, you know, joined up thinking is kind of not really there anymore. They're kind of, they're flipping managerial identities quite quickly, Mm. flipping between, sorry. Um, so it's going to be really interesting because Marco Marco Rosa's first game in charge is against Dortmund on Saturday, on this uh, this weekend, uh, a club which he didn't do particularly well at, and no. this is an important gig for him because what are we now September two thousand twenty two twenty twenty two. I remember doing a podcast with Andrew Mangan on our blog, maybe late twenty twenty. Maybe yeah. it was the first, no, 2019, sorry. It was the first international break, I think, of, of that season. And we were talking about Marco Rosa. And I was just like, this is someone who, because I think he was like, he, he had a few rumours about going to Arsenal at some point already at that point. I think yeah. I said, like, in the future, he will definitely be a great managerial coach. And his stock has really, really Diminished. fallen. And yeah, his standing. Def- yeah. 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 And it's, it's a very important gig for him, this one, I think. I think that's right. The way he left Gladbach was messy. I mean, this is, Look, not every, not every coach that leaves club or has a departure announced before the end of the season leaves in a messy fashion. His, I think, because the two clubs involved was always going to be like that. But the fact that he then didn't go and make it work, mm. the fact he didn't go and make it work is a bad, bad look. It's a bad look for him. And we say that as like, you know, big fans of his work. Yeah, I hope he pulls that off, but we shall see. We shall see. Another big result. Liverpool losing to Napoli. Well, Napoli beating Liverpool. Napoli were spectacular. They were look, so, so good, so, man. There'll be, look, there's, um, there'll be criticism of Liverpool. And it's funny because people, clubs with a bigger profile always tend to examine their own failings first. And Gisa was sensational. Was sensational. You look at the glow up from Fulham to Napoli now, out of this world. Mm. And what I loved about this was that there were some sort of less heralded players in the Napoli team. They don't always get the shine, but here they were front and centre. Zielinski was otherworldly. Otherworldly. Ossiman leading the line. We've seen him do that so many times. Ossiman has got his props, didn't get his goal. Um, a deserved goal, but put it this way, they were 3-0 up at the half and it should have been four. It should have been four. They had a penalty that was saved by um, Alisson. Very good penalty that was saved. But just the way that um, Napoli unbalance you, Liverpool have been, I tweeted and I said, look, Nap, uh, Liverpool looks short of intensity. And uh, quite a few Liverpool fans replied, they're like, it's been that all season. And I was like, mm. I know that. I know that because I watched Liverpool. What I meant by that tweet, and I have to sort of clarify, is that I expected the intensity to be higher given what they had and who they had. And it was a real surprise, I have to say, to see players that are normally really quick getting back like, I know Joe Gomez got a lot of criticism and, you know, he was, he was, he was poor. He was, he was below his best. That's fine to see. But it was a real surprise to see Van Dyke looking so sluggish. This was the real surprise. Mm-hmm. The concession of that penalty to Ossiman, that is a situation where 99 times out of 100, Van Dyke just shepherds you into a less dangerous area. It really feels like this season Van Dyke's aura is gone for a lot of players. That's interesting. That's People have started to go at him a little bit more. And I'm, and I'm not right. saying that this is, I'm not slagging off Virgil van Dijk here because I think he is not still all, an unbelievable yeah. defender. He's one of the, he's one of the best centre-backs that Liverpool have had in the modern era for sure. But we've talked about this before about how when, when people who are so often given respect are all of a sudden shown disrespect, they can be hard to, 
it can be it can be a hard transition to make. And I think that what's happened with Liverpool is that this is this. If you look at where their problem patches have taken place in the last few years, it's after seismic seasons. So winning the league took a lot out of them. Mm. They held all those injuries the next year and struggled. Last year they were pushing for a quadruple. This year I mean, they've had loads of like injuries off the back of it. So there's like I, maybe there's like a post there's like there's an that, intensity there's come down, but there's there's, there's a, that there's also the Sadio Mane thing. Yeah, yeah, scaff- I agree. yeah. Certain pl- certain strikers and forwards are the scaffolding of their attack. Mm. Sadio was the scaffolding for Liverpool. You see he's gone to Bayern, he's created that again. Lewandowski was the scaffolding for Bayern, he's gone to Barca, and you look at Barca now and he just locks everything together the connective tissue. And the reason those players are particularly important in times of transition is when things are struggling, you can guarantee they'll combine with someone and they'll draw it together. When you have Sadio missing, someone like, let's say, Mo Salah is maybe a bit dissociated, is not having the play knitted together. And he was off the pace. There was a a moment in the first half, it was interesting, where the ball gets floated in and he kind of loses it and he's frustrated. And it's like, it's just everyone was off everyone was off and I'm not, this is not a knock on Liverpool at all. It's more that in a season of injuries and transition, you do miss a player who knitted it all together for you. And I was really, I suppose I was a bit surprised and yeah, I was concerned by this defeat because it's one of the few times I've seen Klopp not be able to like solve problems to a substantial degree. Like the, the really weird thing about this game was it's 4-1 and then Liverpool, um, Napoli basically for the, for the last half hour of the game, they basically launch a few counterattacks that don't work. That's basically it. The last half hour of this game is basically Napoli trying to launch counterattacks that didn't work. And at a certain point, they were like, no, let's just run down the clock because the counters aren't really working. All we're doing is conceding possession. But it, it, was, it was really worrying to me how they managed that game. Like Napoli were outstanding and I've never seen them manage, well, I'll say never. I've not seen them in the last three seasons, certainly manage a big game like this. I was extremely impressed with them and excited. And I kind of almost wonder if like, you know, Fabian Ruiz is in Paris and he's happy. But he's almost like, hang on, guys. <laughs> we could have done with this last year. But it was almost like a night where the kind of secondary cast of Napoli, like players like Politano, who don't really get the props normally, really came and got their moment. Lobotka too. So shout out to them. They were absolutely... Um, Kvaratskhelia as well. Kvaratskhelia was brilliant. It was so good. But then again, like he's been the standout star for them this year. And he wasn't really... I mean, he was, he was very, signing. very... Unbelievable. Brilliant last night. Brilliant last night. But if it was like the play of the match, I think it's Angisa for me or Zielinski because they really brought it. There was a lovely wholesome moment in this where Giovanni Simeone kissed his Champions League tattoo. Yeah. I which he got that. when he was 13 years old, a naughty boy. But in, a, in an interview when he was playing at Cagliari a few years ago, he said that uh, one day he's going he's gonna to score in the Champions League and he's going to kiss the tattoo. And he did it. His first Champions League start, right? I believe. I love that. I love visualization. Yeah, I love it so much. I love that. Another wholesome moment was in the Spurs Marseille game where Richarlison got his first two Champions League goals in his first game. Got a little bit emotional afterwards. And uh, I think his mum and dad were both there. But Spurs beating 10 man Marseille 2 0. Kind of deserved it, really. They were on top for most of the game. Marseille had a couple Mm -hmm. of early chances. But. some naughty fan behaviour in this one. Marseille, way Marseille fans pulled down the pride flag that is over an exit in the, in the away corner at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Some naughty fans as well in Paris. Some of the travelling fan, uh, travelling Juve fans have been reported to police by, I think, racist remarks, racist chants. 
made at the game, which there's no need for that, sucks. Right? No need for that, right? Same yeah, with the pride just... thing. Like, can we just what are we doing? This was ridiculous. Yeah. You've gone away from home. You've lost two 0 Like, just keep it moving. Like, you're having mm. a great, a great season in Liga. Like, don't tarnish it. Just keep it moving. PSG beating Juve two one in Paris. Two lovely Kylian Mbappe goals. A Western McKenny header, which great header. Not gonna lie, but Western just get the ball back. You've still got like. Th- 35 minutes to play. Stop running around doing this little, the the wizard <laughs> celebration. I'm like, no, dude, you do that when you've won the game. You do that when you've scored the winner. Come on, come on, come on. Or if you're taking the lead, come on, get the ball back, get the ball back, Weston. Yeah, on. absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm absolutely right. I'm only, I'm only sympathetic slightly because... I wonder who he was pointing I, at. But, you know, because he's achieved a lifetime ambition. Like, you've scored against one of the biggest teams in the world, having been at Schalke. Like there's a moment when, how often does he flash back to Schalke? Don't days? disrespect Schalke. Not at all. Absolutely not. How often does he flash back to the situation at Schalke? Not the club, but the situation. They were in the Champions League knockout like, stages a few years ago. Thank you very much. We're losing all these, yeah, but we're losing all these games on the bounce. And at that point, like, are you, and this is the thing about European clubs. European clubs love a relegated player. They love signing a relegated scrapper. They just have a thing. It's like, like Tonali at Milan at Brescia, right? They love going, you've been relegated, you've proven your worth. Like, we will now elevate you. And like, look, where Tonali's playing now and the way that McKenney's playing for Juventus, I think it's no coincidence that once you've been through the absolute frighteners, yeah, man. nothing scares you. Like, he played without fear. And this is a thing for Juventus they have to take heart from. When PSG went 2-0 up, it looked like it could be a carnival. It could be a carnival. The way they pulled about to the point where actually they could have made it 2-2 potentially, Juventus. Mm, yeah. And I have to say, you know, 2-1 actually in the context, it's not a bad defeat. Not the worst result in the world. And I think they'll still get out of the group because, I mean, unless Benfica upset them, like they like Benfica upset a few people last year and they beat Maccabi Haifa 2-0 in the other game in this group. But yeah, we'll see. Let's go to Group G very quickly. Dortmund beating Copenhagen 3-0 and Manchester City cruising past Sevilla. Although Sevilla did okay first half. They did. But they're on the, such a poor run of form at the moment. I don't think they are yet to win a game in any competition this season. Mm. They've only drawn one of their first five games in all comps. Um, that's the only point they've got. More goals Brilliant. for Holland. He's going to yes. score 694 billion goals this season. Yeah, absolutely is. Yeah. Um, I tell you, man, what have I said behind the scenes? Shall I say it on the podcast? Say it. There is one human being who is more terrified of Erling Holland than anyone else in the world. Say it, say it. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. It's so true. It is, man. It's I'm so, telling you. I'm not, speed, I'm not, I'm not being a dick either. I'm just saying the speed that, and the, that Holland is scoring goals and the like in, coming to the Premier League and scoring like that. Like Holland is one of those people who could break all goal records like ever. Yes, that's true. I don't think a player in the modern era pays such attention to their own stats like Cristiano Ronaldo does. So when they're clearly that important to him. I mean, that's, that's the sole reason why, I'm not, I don't know why we're talking about Ronaldo, we'll keep it brief, but that's the sole reason why he wanted to leave Manchester United this season is because he wanted to play in the Champions League because he wants to win another Champions League for the, yes. the stats. Whereas Casemiro yes. is kind of like, I've done five, I'll go to Man United, it's fine. Just like, go and chill, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to pay me how much? To sit no, on the Tony, bench? Tony Cruz has won five, he's doing podcasts, he's chilling. Like, yeah, you know? it's, like, it's like, dude, come on, I'm yeah. there. We talked about Shakhtar's win over Leipzig. The other game in that group, Real Madrid being Celtic 3-0 at uh, Parkhead. Oh my God. Like Celtic. Celtic were fucking unbelievable in the first half an hour of this game. 
And then... Well, the first half in general, yeah. I think, actually, because they just, yeah. like... We talked about them a little bit last season. Yeah. But they are, they are so fun to watch. Every time I watch Celtic, I have loads of fun watching them. Mm. They're just amazing. Ange and Postacoglu is amazing. His whole energy is amazing. The whole squad's energy and the whole team's energy and the way they play is amazing. They do extremely complex stuff at such a, f- like, ferocious speed. Yeah that like if they'd taken the lead like put it this way the XG in this game was not that different right it was only down to a couple of moments of individual brilliance from the Champions League winners the the, the holders of the trophy there was a difference like Celtic get the first goal in this game Benzema going off injured very different story but this is the thing I want to say as well about this it is to Celtic's credit that the only thing that broke them was a counteracting goal of the highest possible quality. Yeah. This goal is astonishing because you rewatch it and every single moment that Celtic put pressure on the ball, it is jeopardy for Madrid. The ball is played back to Courtois, it's dangerous. Pressed by the same striker, same forward. Plays it to the fullback. Fullback plays it into Modric. And by the time it arrives at Modric, there are four Celtic players in and around Modric and there are two in the court. Like, they absolutely, if Modric doesn't play that pass perfectly, if, they, if, if Celtic win possession, it's a four and two and they're through on goal. Mm. And he floats a perfect pass out to the flank. Valverde hits an incredible pass, the outside of his right foot to Hazard, who's got a man on him, spins off. And then Valverde, who's basically become the best undeclared winger in like <laughs> European football. How the hell does he go from being the energy midfielder to like yeah. an unbelievable winger and then plays an incredible square pass for Vinicius, who pits in the bottom corner and celebrates the goal so little well, he goes and does a little dance in the corner. But the celebration of the goal is relatively muted considering how pretty it is. And it's almost like, how many times have we done that in training? Like the transition from Madrid out of that gap is like, they were told to expect that. I've yeah. been re-watching, I've been re-watching a, what's the word? Um, Tony Kroos, uh, we started watching a Tony Kroos podcast on Amazon Prime Germany. And is it's it a incredible. It's a kind of podcast. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a, a video, video serial. A, yeah, with a former teammate of his um, from the Leverkusen days, I think it was. And um, it's unbelievable hearing Cruz talk about how they build from the back and how they launch attacks and how Ancelotti coaches them. I really worth checking out. Uh, I really recommend checking it out. The most striking thing about it is that actually the humility of Cruz. And Cruz goes basically, my comfort zone has gone further and further down the pitch. I used to play up the pitch. I don't do that anymore because that's where you lose the ball. So much pressure. Haven't done that in years. I, I can't, he basically says I can't really play there anymore. Jupp has played me there. But watching- He played wide that, at one point as well, didn't he? I remember, well, this him, thing, I remember him playing, like watching him play, like, I think he was playing wide right in one game. Well, the, the, most fa- the most fascinating detail about this podcast, slight diversion, but it's fascinating because it's Real Madrid and counterattacks. The most fascinating about this is, there's a bit where he says- um, his, his team is his, uh, the guy interviewing him says, oh, uh, you actually play out of position more than you're designated. So basically your position is actually centre mid, but you basically play left back most of the time. It's wild, isn't it? Right. Because I was watching against the Eintracht. Ain't that Eintracht. deep, man. Granit Xhaka does that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it is. No, but the point is, it is, it is deep though. Right. Yeah. No, but it is deep. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. It's brilliant. It's just, it's, I mean, that's the thing about positions is that yeah. they kind of, they matter and they don't matter. They don't, unless very few positions are actually positional anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, true, true, true. I mean, if any, I mean, maybe bar central defence and out and out number nines, everything yeah. is more role. It's, it's a role, not a position. And Yeah. 
but yeah, anyway, well, well mm-hmm. worth checking out that, that, um, the Tony Cruz video because it gives really good context to what Real did against Celtic mm-hmm. and just specifically the ability to manage a game under extreme pressure and to find solutions because you look at the scoreline and how Celtic played and there's such a disconnect in that. Massive. Yeah, yeah. I think if that RB Leipzig result has thrown this group wide open mm. and I think Celtic can get out of this group. I agree. I agree. They could be this year's like fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Club. No reason why not. No reason why not. Any other results you want to shout out? Uh, just very quickly, the Sporting beating uh, Eintracht Frankfurt three 0 because uh, yeah. I thought Eintracht was really, really good. They were really good. Yeah. And then, oh my goodness, they just had that two minutes of pain. Yeah, but also I have to say specifically, Marcus Edwards was outstanding. So good, man. Twenty three years old, English, and ran the show in the Champions League. He's essentially living Musok Konga's dream life. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> And the last time he played for an English club was, uh, was uh, Norwich. Yeah. 2018. And the rest of the time he's been in a kind of uh, Love European that. odyssey. He's had a lovely time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the other game in the Spurs-Marseille group, obviously. Uh, Barcelona beating Victoria Pilsen 5-1. Uh, Lewandowski hat-trick. He was Ferran Torres with a glorious volley. Ferran Torres with, with a real like, fuck you goal. That's important for him, that goal, actually. Yeah. It's really important that he scored an outstanding finish like that. Mm. That it reminds him what he's capable of. I really yeah. like that for him. Yeah. And can I just say though, I, I think there's Robert Lewandowski in the, is the summer transfer that looks the best in their new kit. And yeah. also loads of people hated on this Barcelona kit when it drops. And I, I was just like, I think, I wasn't, I think it's, I wasn't a fan. It looks better on, doesn't it? It does look really good. Uh, the one thing I will be judgmental about is the new Atleti kit, which looks like Toothpaste. Just before we move on to Atleti, Inter losing 2-0 at home to Bayern in the other game in the Barcelona group. Mm. Club Brugge beating Leverkusen 1-0 in Brugge. Leverkusen had a goal disallowed, Patrick Schick equaliser, because Jonathan Tarr, I think Baby Toe, was offside <laughs> and flagged in. And it was, yeah, I mean, this is, this is just, it's ridiculous. It's the most spiritually onside goal. I've ever seen. This new automated offside technology. Oh, can I say, before I forget one thing, one thing I, I did forget to mention the Barcelona game very quickly, just to cycle back to that. Different. The player that looks their best in their old kit is Usman Dembele, who basically looks like Dembele 2.0. And I mentioned this very specifically. There's a goal he assists. It's, it's the most incredible ambidextrous goal. He does a perfect slide tackle to win the ball back and then crosses so it with his right foot perfectly. And I saw that, I thought to myself, there are very, very few coaches would have got that out of Dembele at this stage of his career. I love a to see club that. that literally wanted him, that told him pretty much to go yeah. and find a club in January. In many ways, that was the most, from a Barcelona perspective, for many ways, that was the most exciting part of yep. their performance. I agree. Um, they were really good, man. Even conceding a goal. Yes. So Leverkusen were cruelly robbed of a very spiritual onside goal. Mm. Aleti Porto, this felt very much like a quarterfinal. <laughs> it's such a quarterfinal fixture as well, isn't it? Aleti Porto is a quarterfinal lineup. Pretty much the only thing that happened, two things happened before the 90 minute mark. Goal ruled out for offside, rightly so. And Mehdi Tarimi got sent off. This was an amazing red card, actually. Already on a booking, took a dive, got booked for the simulation, and off he went. <laughs> a <And> journey. <laughs> Mario Hermoso had, let's just say, an eventful five minutes in stoppage time at the end of the game. Scored the opener 
jumped over the barrier, thought that was it. I've won the game in stoppage time. Right. Oh no, I haven't because I've given the away a penalty for handball a few minutes later, <laughs> which was then converted. Uh, uh, that was in the 96th minute. And then in the 101st minute of the game, in normal time. Yes. Well, no, not normal time, in stoppage time, but in... Stoppage time, yeah. In supposedly still the 90 minutes. Antoine Griezmann, with a header after a flick on from Axel Witzel, and won the game for Atleti. And the celebration. Okay, first of all, before okay, the celebration. Can I, before got, the celebration. I, I want yeah, to ask yeah. you a question, though. Yeah, sure, sure. Go for it, go for it. Oh, wait. What, what, what would you want to say before the Just celebration? Because mine was celebration. I think it, it was related. either Sid Lowe or the Spanish football podcast that tweeted. You can always tell which ones are Sid. You can actually. Um, <laughs> the, I think it was, it was either him or the podcast, the, um, podcast account that tweeted, is Antoine Griezmann about to become the greatest super sub of all time? Ooh. I think that was, and they this tweeted this like oh, weeks ago. Question. And I'm like, the moment I saw that going, I was like, oh my goodness. Like he scored like two or three late winners already this year. And this was the most dramatic of them all. So yeah, back to what you were going to ask me. So my question was, was is Antoine Griezmann the first player who has kissed the badge for a club. Oh. Technically, he is oh. still a Barcelona player on loan to Atletico. He can't, he can't be. He can't be. He can't be because I'm sure that... Because as soon as he started kissing the badge, I was just like, you're technically still on loan from Barcelona. <laughs> like, he's, gonna, he's not going back to Barcelona. Did Samuel Eto'o not do that Mallorca? Ooh, maybe. The Copa del Rey. Yeah, but the Copa del Rey, he was a, he was a Mallorca player by then. He was a Mallorca by then. Okay, yeah. he'd already moved. Okay, right. Mm, yeah. That's interesting. Okay, so it might be Griezmann then. I think it might be. But if, any, if anyone's know. seen... I don't know. It's just a, it's, I just it's saw it and I was just like... <gasps> someone's got to it before then. I, probably I was the only person in the world who thought that was a big deal. It is a big It's a huge deal because it's about identity, isn't it? And I'm kissing the badge of a club you're on loan at. You have to do it. It'd be amazing. Also, they've got history though, Atleti. Well, I mean, yeah, he, to be honest, yeah. he was... He was pretty... He was more on loan at Barcelona than he was at Atleti, to be honest. There's a theory that he was always an Atleti player. Agent Griezmann. So no, 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 no. But there's um, no, no, no conspiracy theories. So he went to Barcelona so Atleti could win the league and then he came back. <laughs> Stadio ran on. Ooh, <laughs> hang on a minute. Agent Griezmann. No, 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 no. That's, that's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a Is joke. it though? No. Hang on a minute. What do you know that I don't? Oh, God. <laughs> Is this like, was it Jamie Carragher's tweet? Roman's Turn still my, pulling the strings. It's like, my, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, whoa. <laughs> hold up. Hold up a minute. Like, Turn on my VPN. You do know, you do, yeah, I was like, you do know you just tweeted <laughs> this from your own account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Listen, please. Disclaimer. That was a joke. And even if you don't think it's a joke, you can't find me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, if anyone wants to know where he is, just DM me. Oh God. I'll have him no problem. I'd, yeah, I'd flip easy. I wouldn't, I'd be like, dude, you don't even have to put the music on. It's fine. Just stay seven. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Quickly, uh, Ajax being Rangers 4-0. Ajax were very, very good in the first half. This is the other yeah. game in the Napoli-Liverpool group. Uh, Rangers were not too great. And Ali McCoist was absolutely fuming, allegedly. Mm. I, don't, I, wasn't, I wasn't listening to his punditry, but apparently mm. he was very, very angry. Quickly, some other results from Tuesday night. Obviously, Dinamo Zagreb beating Chelsea 1-0. In Zagreb, the result that apparently didn't cost Thomas Tuchel his job because it was already decided beforehand. Gorgeous goal from Orsic. Gorgeous Lovely goal. goal. Yeah. Uh, Milan drawing one all in Salzburg against Red Bull Salzburg. And I think that is 
it the lot. Before we move on to some other stuff, quick shout for Kira Walsh, who has joined Barcelona. Yes. A world record fee in the women's game. Now, is that the first time we've seen in either women's or men's game, the world record held by a defensive midfielder? I think it's the first time. It's the first and most expensive they play in the world has been a defensive midfielder. Wow. Which says a lot about her contribution to, uh, to football, to the team, and also says a lot about the nature of, of women's football and the understand, like match control. Like if you look at like the controllers, actually, the stars of that tournament, Oberdorf, Magul, Magul, not, 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 yeah, actually, yeah, Magul's best performance is defined by control. Magul, Oberdorf, and um, I mean, obviously Pop with the injury, that was a real shame. And then Walsh could argue that three out of the four outstanding players were all kind of controllers, which is interesting. Because the quality of counterattack in the late stages of the Champions League and the Euros was off the scale. It was, yeah. And Kira is someone that stemmed the tide. Um, Beautifully, yeah. It's exciting for her. With the Pateas injury, that's a really, really great signing for Barcelona. And, but yeah. If, when Pateas comes back, you're going to have a midfield anchored by, well, you're going to have a midfield three of probably Bon Matty, Pateas, and Kira Walsh. And Gajara is just like, well, but Gajara is going to drop out then. It's like, no one's going to have the ball. Yeah. No one's going to get the ball. Like, no team's going to, like, Barcelona might be the first team to register 100% possession. Oh no, they can't because yes. the other team will have to kick off. But yeah. maybe it'll be a nil-nil draw. 97 position. 97, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, shall we move on to the big managerial news of the week? Let's do it. Can I make my Tedesco joke again? Yes, you can. Yeah. What's going to stop you? What next for Domenico Tedesco? I think I said Domenico before, but apparently the German version is Domenico. That's what they always call him. Domenico, yeah. Yeah, Domenico Tedesco. Uh, we talked about him going, actually, before we do move on RB to the Leipzig stuff. is no longer the Dominican Republic. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Leave that in. No, leave that in. Give it to them. Leave it's that the in. Rosa County. <laughs> I wrote a tweet saying I would quite like to see Tedesco at Leicester. And someone replied saying, yeah, but he only really works with like teams that want to counterattack. And I was just like, mm, Leicester. It's just, it was just a little like, huh, if Rodgers is going to go and Tedesco is available, I, they were, I think Leicester could be fun, at least temporarily. Yeah, it's so tough for him to get that higher, isn't it? Like the Leicester job for him, it's hard for him now at this point. Because he's another player, yeah. he, 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 uh-uh. sorry, he's, he's another coach that's needed needed a bit of luck. I wonder if something like Serie A might be good for him next. <gasps> Just a thought. Could be thought. Fun. Yeah, anyway, it's a thought. Let's talk about Thomas Tuchel. He was fired by Chelsea. By all accounts, Graham Potter is the new man in charge. So we'll touch on that second, like secondly, but let's talk about Thomas Tuchel first. I mean, what do you think about this for, for a start? Uh, We've had lots I, of chats in private about it, so let's... I was, honestly, my gut, I was initially... I was shocked because you're always going to be shocked when a Champions League winning coach is sacked just, you know, what, a season and a half after winning the whole thing. And especially when you've seen someone like that make Chelsea at their best look dangerous in the league. But then, like, looking at his, the reasons for the collapse in relationship mm. and looking also at Chelsea's form, like, defensively, in the last half of his time there, 
but like actually this was maybe a long time coming. Like in terms of Tuchel's trajectory, it's funny because there are he's a very different coach to Mourinho, and also they they deteriorate in very similar ways, mm. very similar ways, where it's almost like a total system failure where nothing's working, like everything's working and nothing's working. That happens very very fast, which is maybe a a conversation for his future employers when they're looking at how things don't work for him and structures that can avoid that happening. The sacking didn't make sense and then it did, if that makes sense. That's how I felt. It didn't make sense at all. And then I was like, oh, actually, now I get it. I do get it. Yeah, and actually, I think it's probably in the long term best for him. I think he's come out of the Chelsea gig with his stock higher than it was when he came out of the PSG gig. I think that's right. Um, And I also think that a lot of people... I think Chelsea are one of those clubs that actually getting fired by them doesn't really hurt your stock a huge amount anymore. It's almost a badge of honour. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, it is, I mean, it is. Like, oh, I mentioned I this before. It doesn't, it's no real, it's no, quite off, more often than not, and to be honest, I think actually there's probably a few Premier League clubs that this could go for as well, but, and a few clubs around you. Like, for example, Real Madrid. You can get fired by Real Madrid and your stock will probably not fall. Hmm. You can get fired by probably Barcelona to be honest and depending on when you were there and your stock will probably not fall although I think that's changing I think for example like I think it kind of hurts Setien a little bit I don't think it hurt it Valverde at all No It hurt Setien because a lot of people didn't think Setien was good enough to be there in the first place mm. that's the difference Yeah and I don't think it actually hurt Tata Martino that much No whereas Jose would be like come on man the real pros get sacked twice Yeah <laughs> Twice Twice again. Yeah Twice Yeah like, are you ever really a Chelsea manager unless you've gone back and got fired again? Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I, there are a few, there are a few managers that I think who whose stock took a real plummet after being fired by Chelsea. Maybe, to be honest, I think probably the biggest one in the last few years has been Lampard. Actually, not Avram Grant. I mean, that was, no. his his stock didn't fall. His stock didn't fall. He was just no. kind of he was not expected to be all that anyway. No, but yeah, you're no, right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for Tuchel, he's had a really, he's had a bit of a heavy year or two. You know, he it was very public, you know, it was public that he separated from his wife and they've got two kids together, I think. While going through some stuff at the club where he became the central spokesperson for, for the football club during all of the Abramovich stuff. Yeah. Whereas everyone else was just... You couldn't hear a peep out of anyone. In like, the wind. You didn't the hear a peep didn't out say of anything. Petacek. You didn't hear Grand anything Granovsky was like quiet. Grand, yeah, exactly. I mean, she's always been quiet anyway, and I get that. But still, it was very much like Ghost he became the, spokes for, the <laughs> yeah. spokesperson for a club that was going through quite a, an upheaval. Mm. And I think that the way that he navigated that, he deserves a huge amount of credit. And actually, for someone who can be quite spiky and is quite often falling out with, with the hierarchies, I mean, he's kind of done it pretty much everywhere he's been. For different reasons, I might, must add. Mm. Everything seemed to be fine until the ownership changed. And judging by the, the breakdown of it, you know, being fired or, or, or being less popular with an owner because you're not that vibey in WhatsApp groups, it's just such a fucking like, yeah. you, you've essentially fired a world-class coach for wanting to coach. Right. Which is just a bit David Brenty for me, to be honest. Well, it, it, came, it became a completely different club with the new ownership. That's the thing. It's yeah, a different it job I mean, all of a sudden. This is, like, you look at the window, the, 
the amount of money they've spent this window, I was thinking it's only Real Madrid have, have spent more in a single window. Mm. The strategy of the signings has been a little bit kind of like, huh? I look at Chelsea and I kind of think, what do they want to be now? Continue talking about Tuchel a little bit and then we'll move on yeah. to what, what Chelsea's what, what future. The- so let's talk about Tuchel's yeah. future because yeah. I think he will chill for a bit. I don't think he's in any rush and I think he'll wait for a job either. Like for example, it's not inconceivable that Ancelotti may not be Real Madrid manager this time next year. Well. It's not, is it? Like we've, we've seen this movie. It's not the hardest, but then Ancelotti, but he doesn't get sacked, he walks at this point. Well, well, I don't know. Right. You know I mean, you never, you, no, 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 no. I mean, he, yeah, it's Real Madrid. But saying that, there's another club in Madrid who might need a manager this time next year, you know? And I actually think for oh, wow. Tuchel is probably more suited energy-wise to Atleti. I don't think he's that suited to the Real Madrid job, actually. No, I don't. But he did Not the PSG with- thing, so he's done the, he's done the kind of like the, the big money, the, I mean, Real Madrid and then Chelsea, I mean, PSG and then Chelsea. Mm. You know. Yeah, but so he could he can do it, but what is it a good fit? I'm not sure. Like I think with Madrid, what's interesting with the Madrid thing is trusting the players to find solutions. Mm. That really, really works for Madrid, like to such an extreme degree. It's like play the ball out, create individual matchups and mm. allow people to find solutions. There is there Whereas, is one better fit though, but I think will be more likely. What's that? I think Juventus. it's Juve. Oh, <laughs> yeah. there we are. Yeah. yeah. Juventus, I yeah. do. I think it's I think Juve. That, that's an excellent fit. Because I, I don't, I, from what I've seen of Juve this year and last year under Allegri, it's, it's not been good. Um, I think Juventus is the best fit, I have to say. And I think that's probably Recruitment, something. current staff, yeah. money. Yeah. I think Juve could be, could be the one. I don't think he minds noise so much. He had all the noise at PSG and Chelsea. He can yeah, deal with he's noise. Yeah, he's dealt with noise, fine. What he needs is structure and people being very responsive to, you know, these precise tactical patterns. And yeah, I, I just think you know, the configuration of players, I think, I think Juve allow him to impose his ideas better than the other, the other clubs that we've mentioned there. I agree. Although I do think it could still work at Atleti. Oh yeah, it could. I mean, he's a great coach. He could work anyway. I'd say maybe yeah, hierarchy, yeah. like in terms of the ranking, I'd go Juve first. Mm. I'd go Atleti second. You'd have them looking completely different, by the Cause way. Because I said, would he go to Sevilla? They're in the Champions League. Sevilla is an amazing city to live in. They're in a bit of a, a rut, but I step think- Step down that, for him in terms of resources though. Yeah, it is. But I wonder whether actually coming off the back of the Chelsea thing, if he goes in there with someone like Monchi and he's just mm. like, can we just work? Yeah, yeah. Could okay. be a fun gig. Yeah, oh, definitely. He plays some great stuff. Their problem was depth. Yeah, it, was it is depth. depth yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the only problem. But in terms of a team that could make a run at something, mm. you're right. And the players there are good. Like, it's a really good job. I mean, I don't think he's going to leave yet, but you know where it would be quite fun to see Tuchel is Roma, actually. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, actually. He could yeah. run it close. He could, he could run things quite close at Roma. Yeah, unless a place comes up. I don't think he's going to manage again this season. I think he's going to take some time out. Just and there's also himself. nothing greater than a manager, a highly sought after manager just sitting on the sidelines waiting for someone yeah. to get fired. Waiting for the job to come up, yeah. But what about Chelsea? So it looks like pretty much we're recording this at a time where Graham Potter hasn't been confirmed, but he's basically going to be the next Chelsea manager. This is quite a departure. 
Potter goes to Chelsea. I feel sad about it. Or what Brighton are building. It's beautiful that, and they won't have it again. They won't have that. They'll have something really good. They'll get a great coach in. But in terms of the trajectory, how he changed it from under Hewton and, you know, the second of Hewton is one of those things which people looked at and were like, we'd seen it before Southampton. Yeah, yeah. We get it. We understood it. Like it wasn't, we didn't like it, but we got it because we knew that Brighton were like, we want to avoid struggling. We need something more expansive. We have to take a risk. Not that Potter was a risk, but in terms of changing a playing style is always a risk, right? Because the playing style is what has got you in the division and is keeping you there for the time being. And just the journey that Potter went on, it saddens me because I feel like the journey wasn't over yet. Mm. I really wanted a full season of Brighton. This is why I'm really frustrated by the tickle sacking in a way. Like it, not just because it destabilizes, you know, Chelsea in terms of what they're building, but it destabilizes. It's sort of like sackings are always, almost any sacking is sad in football. There are some people that get sacked and they're just terrible people. And you know, what the hell? But like in terms of like the way this all went, I don't feel good about this sacking. Mm. Uh, for Chelsea or for Brighton. Like they're playing maybe the best football I've, I've ever seen them play. Mm. Maybe some of the best football their supporters can ever remember. They've managed to solve the XG problem. Like they're actually like scoring the goals that they're promising to score. They're recruiting spectacularly. There's a harmony on and off the field. And now Chelsea get, and then, and then it's just like, you know, it's awful because it's like, what's the message again? It's the classic thing of like, oh, the club, the rich club in jeopardy can just pluck the genius and off they go. And I'm, I'm really sad about this for Brighton because this is going to be the what if. What if we had Potter the whole season? What could we have done? Could we have gone Europa League? Who would we have beaten? You know, it's basically robbed all these incredible away days. You know, it's robbed Brighton of an away win at like a huge, a club with far more resources, playing spectacular football, beating them 4-2 and everyone going, wow, like that's a season, that's an end of season, like highlight movie waiting to happen. Like it's robbed them of all of that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, not to sound all like melancholic and whatever and sentimental, but that is, I'm a poet, so what the hell. Like, You're a poet? Yeah, I don't like to talk about it. Really? <laughs> I don't like to talk about it, yeah. I'm also, oh. I'm also I don't like to, no, there's other stuff. Oh, I hang on a minute. I saw, oh, you were the guy oh, in the shush. Santa outfit in yeah, Berlin last week. <laughs> oh, shush, shush. Yeah, that's there's, there's just, you know, shy and retiring. Yeah. Oh, um, haven't you done a, <laughs> haven't you done a few books? I've actually written a book with you, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Listen. Did Musa Bonga just stunt on me on my someone's own podcast? Gonna, someone's got to flex on this podcast. Yeah, well. Someone's gonna... Listen, just remember, I got enough stuff in the vault to bury you. <laughs> oh, God. Do you know how you know cancel culture does not exist? Because I've been begging to be cancelled <laughs> every single week. Since that phrase came up, I'm begging to be cancelled. I'm sure. on all platforms. Shall and it I cancel you? Listen, I dream of nothing more. <laughs> it's, what, it's one of those. It's like, it's what he would have wanted. <laughs> on, my, on my gravestone, not rest in peace. It was cancelled. It'd be like 1979 too. They're just like cancelled, not rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> Finally cancelled for real. Anyway. I think Graham Potter might be metaphorically cancelled by a lot of neutrals because Mm. I always find it really, really intriguing when a very popular manager of a club who, I wouldn't say they're they're a cult club, Brighton, but they are, a lot of people have a soft spot for Brighton with the way that they've gone about things over the last few years. They're a favourite. They're like a Freiburg. They're a favourite. Yeah. Yeah. Different kind of club. Different different kind of club, but in terms of the energy. Very well run. yeah, The energy, yeah. I think in the long run, 
I know that this will be quite disappointing for Brighton fans, but I think in the long run they'll be fine because I think that they're they're set up for this eventuality. I think they know they've always known that Graham Potter was gonna mm. was gonna go, and I imagine that because of the length of the deal he was on, they'll be they'll get a lot of compensation from Chelsea, mm. and I'm I'm pretty confident that they will hire a very very good successor for Graham Potter at Chelsea though this is a very different job to any job he's had before and I genuinely don't know how this is going to go because I think that what we've seen we've seen great tacticians come into Chelsea we've seen them go we've seen very hotly tipped up and coming managers arrive at Chelsea and we've seen them go. And I think that this is the thing. Like it's a big risk for Chelsea. I think it's a it's big a, I actually it's a think big it's, risk. I think it's a bigger risk for Potter. Oh it's always a bigger risk. As, I listen, think as a Chelsea managers, manager it's always a bigger yeah, risk. Yeah I think managers manager. always I think jo- jobs like Chelsea though with managers like managers are just going to take them. Mm. It's 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 very, very rare that a club of that size will come after any manager. And I think that's why we've said so many times, even though it would be hard to think, why would you go to this club right now? They're a bit all over the place. The lure of being at that club and being on that level and operating, you know, he's going to manage in the Champions League. That is a massive draw for any manager. It's the authority. It's the authority. The Chelsea dressing room will be full of very different types of egos than the Brighton one. Yes. Players are professional, right? And at the same Mm. time, they'll be asking, the question is always this, can this manager win, win us titles? Yeah. And this is the thing, and it's just not a knock on Potter at all, at all. It's not a knock on Potter. It's more in that dressing room you have, how do I say this? You've got to make sure you get the leaders on the side. Thiago Silva, Koulibaly. Um, not that they've got egos. It's not about egos. It's about, you know, Jorginho as well. Can you basically take these players to another level? Now we've seen like, no, Wenger did that, right? Wenger did that at Arsenal, and that was a huge risk. And the, the concern I have with this, and Wenger was unbelievable. He was a genius, and he asserted himself at the beginning, and it worked out. The thing I'm worried about with Chelsea, and the reason I wasn't worried about Arsenal with David Dean appointing Wenger is because David Dean understood what kind of club Arsenal was. And the sacking of Tuchel, I worry about this because I'm concerned, because I'm like, do the Chelsea owners actually understand what club they own yet? Do they actually understand what they've bought, right? It's a, it's a hell of a thing owning a club. It's an absolute rush. And he's gone in there, he's made signings, but even some of that business that they made, even the hijacking of transfers, it revealed a real lack of strategy. The Ronaldo right? thing was the big eye for me. And actually, yeah, I and- think that if, if, if you're a coach like Tuchel, and the thing is though, this is the only thing, like Graham Potter's not going to sanction that either. Right. There's two ways this can go here. I think this could yes. be a new direction for Chelsea that is very, very sensible, very joined up and very exciting for Chelsea. Almost fans. PSG style. Yeah, maybe. It's like we've seen clubs can do it. Clubs can change. You know, they can do it. But that is a big change very quickly. And if one of the things about it that came out, I think Miguel Delaney wrote a piece and loads of other people, there's stuff on The Athletic about it. Tuckle's resistance to signing Ronaldo where Todd Bowley wanted that. He's not going to get that with Graham Potter. No. There are a few managers that are going to take over, that are going to be in the Chelsea dugout and be like, yeah, bring me Ronaldo. Especially when your job is riding on it. 
Yeah. And this is the thing, and this is my concern now. Do they go back in for Ronaldo in January? They're like, we've got the manager. But if one, they do, we'll go- yeah, actually, because it's not the kind of a kind of player that he's had before. Maybe Graham Potter's like, yeah, sure, actually, yeah, I'd quite like that. Yeah, as we'll discuss we in a little minute before we wrap. Maybe managers that we think are a certain way are just not like that. We thought Galtier wasn't like that. Precisely. Well, look, before we move on from this, is there anything else you want to say on the Chelsea thing? Um, nothing other than best of luck. Best of luck to Graham Potter. Um, very sorry and sad for Brighton if this, if this does go through because of what he built there. By the time this comes out, it will probably be confirmed. Okay, so very sad and sorry for Brighton because that tenure has ended. And also best of luck to Aubameyang, who's coming off very difficult personal circumstances. Mm-hmm. I still think the Chelsea move is a very good one for him, actually. I don't think he gets much of a look in with Lewandowski there because Lewandowski just doesn't, he's, like, he's Iron Man at this point. I mean, I'm just going to get injured now, but he's basically Iron Man and he'll be the regular starter. I think actually having that spot at Chelsea could be really good for him in the late stages of his career. So yeah, that's all to say really on that. So yeah, quickly before we go, we were talking about Christophe Gautier and Kylian Mbappe were asked a question about uh, in their pre-Champions League press conference about whether they felt it was suitable to take a plane from Paris to Nantes instead of getting the train and they kind of giggled about it and it just all looked a bit gross. Because there's any other way, there's any other way that, by the way, they could have answered that. Any yeah, they, they could have. Yeah. They could have answered it in a million other ways that would have been better and less gross about it. They could have been like, for example, it would have. How how good would it have been if someone like Christophe Gautier just said, "We would love to take the train. We would love to take the train, actually, but current circumstances mean that we can't rely on it as easily as right. we can to to charter a private jet." Which, yeah, obviously from a carbon footprint standpoint, is dreadful, and we wish it wasn't like that. And we would love, but unfortunately we can't charter a train in the same way or something. I don't fucking know. I don't know what the details are. Yeah. Javi, on the other hand, was asked about it. And apparently he said, we cannot be in a different bubble to that of society. If we can do things to change society, we will do. That's a different Javi from previous years. It is, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's a, you know, you know, actually. Well, I think that's what happens when you win the Qatari lottery. So lucky that it was him of all it the just people. Changes, I think it's, it's just amazing. It just changes you, man. What a blessing that was for Chavi. What a blessing. I mean, incredible that he <laughs> should win. Maybe incredible. all his Qatari lottery winners <laughs> in green energy. <laughs> that, that, that will never, that will never not be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and the winner is Chavi. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, it's me, me. Oh my god. I, I'm, this is ta- this is taking me so guard. Pulls out a fucking like scripted speech, ready to go. Oh. I'd like to thank the academy. So yeah, I mean, is there anything really more to say about this? Is just it's a bad look from Mbappe and Galtier, and it yeah, really bad. Trains are good. Trains are good when you can take a train. We're doing some travelling next week, and we're going by train. We are indeed. Unfortunately, we have to take one flight. Yeah, we do. But the rest are going to be trains. They are. Of which more later. Shall we get out of here? Let's bounce. All right. We hope everyone is staying safe and well. And um, yeah, like as we mentioned at the top of the show, go find Righty's House. If you want to listen to Righty's House now, you will have to subscribe to it. It has its own feed. If you want to continue listening to us, you don't have to do anything. Just stay right here. Absolutely. Don't forget to check the Stanio Outros players on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on the silver dub of End of Times by the Golden Filter. Anything you want to add, Moose Conga? Nothing further. Nothing further. Are you sure? Yes. Something that'll get you cancelled, maybe? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I dream of it. I've been trying. Goodness knows, I've been trying. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Much love. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. <laughs>